This is Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top headlines. With only a few weeks left before Election Day, candidates are hitting the campaign trail, and NHPR's Todd Bookman has been following incumbent Democratic Congressman Chris Pappas and his Republican challenger, Carolyn Levitt, this week. He joins us now to give us an update on how they're trying to reach voters. Morning, Todd. Good morning, Rick. So Chris Pappas, Carolyn Levitt met in their first debate yesterday. Give us some highlights. Well, this was a, a pretty standard general election debate. It was hosted by the um, by the Mount Washington Valley Economic Council. Uh, Levitt and Pappas were asked about Ukraine. They were asked about uh, border policy, about inflation, um, about abortion. And on most matters of policy, uh, they are where you'd expect a Republican and a Democrat to be. Pappas uh, positions himself kind of in the... In, moderate wing of the Democratic Party, um, and he was certainly trying to highlight abortion rights uh, as a key issue. Um, Caroline Levitt is what uh, I guess we would now call a MAGA Republican. She's very much in line with the policies of, of President Trump. And, um, you know, you could hear that, for instance, you know, when the two started to talk about climate change, energy and the environment, which which was a main topic during that debate. I think we have some tape here of, uh, of what the two candidates said. But I don't believe it's the duty of the federal government to take billions of taxpayer dollars to solve these challenges. These are challenges that are best solved at the state and local level and via the free market. I think this is a threat to our way of life in New Hampshire. We should be doing something about it. And we need an all of the above energy strategy today. You know, so you really could hear sort of the stark differences there. Um, Levitt, uh, you know, has touted her support for the fossil fuel industry. Uh, uh, criticized Pappas and Democrats for canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, wants to increase drilling on federal lands, really also in all of the above strategy, uh, um, but but certainly not as concerned about, about climate change. And that's something Chris Pappas was working to highlight yesterday. You know, in the North Country, he talked about how uh, warming winters are really affecting ski resorts, uh, a sort of tangible example of how a warming climate will impact um, granite staters. And so, you know, just one of the many issues where there's a, a pretty stark divide between these two. Yeah. And you, you spent time watching Pappas campaigning. His message to voters beyond climate change. What else was he talking about in these, these final weeks? Yeah. So, so I caught up with, with Pappas um, during an event in Portsmouth this week. This was an event focused on military veterans. Uh, he was out on a backyard patio surrounded by veterans. And, you know, Pappas did what incumbents do. They, they highlight their record of, of passing bills uh, in, in this case, Pappas talked about funding for health care for veterans exposed to toxic burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. He also talked about uh, he was the sponsor of a bill that was signed into law called the Burial Equity Act. And that allows members of the National Guard who served to be buried in uh, uh, military veterans cemeteries. Um, you know, so he was trying to, to, to highlight those issues. He was asked by reporters afterwards about the other topics of the day, though, about inflation uh, Ukraine. And, and, you know, on the economy, he said, you know, essentially that the Democratic majority is working as hard as it can to reduce costs. He, he touted the, the the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, the work, uh, uh, you know, the majority is trying to do to bring down the cost of, of fuel costs and uh, prescription drugs, for example. Now, how does that match up, though, with his record, Todd? What have we seen from Pappas in Congress in the last two terms? You, you know, well, passing legislation is one thing. And um, the state of the economy is is another at the moment. Uh, you know whether or not you agree that that recent government spending is driving up inflation, or whether it's you know sort of this global phenomenon in part caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, broken supply chains related to workforce shortages, and and those kinds of issues. 
Uh, and to be clear, you know, all of this, those things are possible, but the reality is, um, you know, there's 8% inflation. It's stubborn. And the party in power, in this case, it's the Democrats, you know, are, are, are on the hook for that in a lot of people's eyes, um, certainly in a lot of Republicans' eyes at the moment. And and that's where Levitt has been hammering uh, Pappas on this issue. It came up repeatedly, you know, during the debate. And, and you hear it on the campaign trail with Levitt, too. She, she's really trying to make this all about the economy. Now, let's talk about her a little bit as the challenger. If elected, Carolyn Levitt would be the youngest serving member of Congress at just 25 years old. Now, you saw her on the campaign trail this week as well. What was her message? Yeah, so she, uh, Caroline didn't, uh, Levitt did an event uh, in Londonderry. She was surrounded by by supporters who all were encouraged to bring their electricity bills. And so you had this sort of strong um, visual example of, of what, you know, rising inflation is doing to folks, people holding up uh, power bills that were double what they were last year. Uh, Levitt is blaming Pappas and Pelosi on that. She, she really works to tie their names together at just about every opportunity. Um, you know, and again, we, you know, her, her solutions for this are sort of big picture. She wants to return very much to the policies uh, of, of President Trump. She wants to increase drilling, build more pipelines, um, you know, sort of a, a climate change be damned argument. Um, her argument is that, you know, the country is in an economic crisis at the moment. This is going to be potentially a very brutal winter for a lot of families. And, uh, you know, she wants to to do all she can to get those energy prices under control. That That's really the, the message that she was hammering this week. NHPR's Todd Bookman, thank you. Thank you, Rick. You can find more of his work, including a recent profile on Carolyn Levitt, at our website. It's nhpr.org. It is Morning Edition from NHPR. We're recapping this week's news. What questions do you have for us about what's going on in the state? You can always email us and inform our voting, our reporting, rather, with your voices at NHPR. Dot org. You can join us uh, as well at NHPR.org for all of that reporting and, of course, all of that feedback. And joining us now on the recap is NHPR's senior political reporter, Josh Rogers. Hey, Josh. Good morning, Mark. You've been following the candidates running for the U.S. Senate and the yeah. governorship here in New Hampshire. Tell us more about uh, what you're seeing. Well, I mean, the the, the, the the big debate between the first debate between Maggie Hassan and uh, Don Bolduc in the Senate race happened this week also uh, in the North Country in Conway. And you know, in that debate, you know, the, the sort of as, as Todd said, I mean, the, the dynamic is pretty clear. On the one hand, uh, Don Bolduc, the challenger, wants to make this race about a referendum on the economy and, and the Biden presidency. Maggie Hassan, meanwhile, you know, very much wants to, to make sure voters understand that, that this election it will be a, is a choice and that she, you know, certainly is talking up policy she backed. Um, aspects of the Inflation Reduction Act, the, the Chips and Science Act, that kind of thing, and what that she says that's helping people with costs. And, um, you know, she walked a line when it came to Joe Biden. She described him as lively and sharp uh, to, enough to do the job when, when asked a question about that. But she also noted she doesn't always agree with him. Um, you know, her big goal is to, to make voters leery of Don Bolduc, uh, scared about what electing him might mean for things like abortion rights, for entitlement programs, uh, and the implications of potential election denialism. Um, you know, I'm not sure how many people watched this debate. This was 9 a.m. midweek. But, you know, Senator Hassan generally hit her marks tactically, uh, you know, as did Don Bolduc. I mean, we can, we can take a listen. Senator Hassan has supported Joe Biden 100 percent of the time with every failed policy that has resulted in your hardship, your choice between heating and eating depleted your savings. He doesn't think he has to listen to you because he can just reject your votes. This allows him to support an agenda that will raise your costs and eviscerate your rights. 
Okay, so there you go. Some sound there from uh, uh, Don Bolduc and Maggie Hassan. Joshua, uh, you spent time reading through a number of essays written by Don Bolduc before this Senate run. How does that match up with his messaging on the campaign trail? Well, it's interesting. These essays, which were, were published by a, a website called Small Wars Journal, they're from 2017 to 2019, basically for when Don Bolduc stepped out of a 33-year military career until he launched his 2020 Senate bid. And, and you know, they are interesting. I mean, in some, Bolduc really criticizes U.S. policy in Afghanistan. Um, in short, he says the U.S. didn't do enough to back counter uh, counterinsurgent approach and you know essentially be more clued into Afghan culture you know Bolduc says that you know you need to recognize that Afghans certainly welcome help but you know you hang out too long you become the enemy um you know in another piece he argues for mandatory military service in the US he said the voluntary militaries has run its course others of these writings are kind of more meditations on leadership they're largely conventional in the main, um, you know, quite earnest, um, at times very self-critical. I mean, you can you can hear echoes of some of those writings as he campaigns to talk about the need to be humble, you know, invocations of faith, uh, you know, the, the idea that leaders need to be held accountable for failures when something goes wrong. But, you know, in other ways, they, they seem kind of written by a different person in one of these for instance, uh, Bullock quotes Bill Gates on the importance of uh, solid public relations. Um, you know, a little more than a year later, you know, Don Bullock was claiming Bill Gates was trying to, uh, you know, implant microchips mm -hmm. in people during the COVID vaccine. So this is interesting reading. Um, you know, Bullock throughout in these essays and, and on the trail will say, you know, being human is about, you know, growing and, and making mistakes. Um, you know, it, it, you know, he's an interesting he's an interesting um, mix. Yeah. Bullock. And what about uh, Maggie Hassan? What has she been telling voters in the campaign trail? How do, and how does it match up with her actual record? Well, I mean, a lot of what she's been doing is is stoking concern about Bolduc. Um, but when she's not doing that, she is emphasizing policies she's supported that she says have helped people. You know, uh, prescription drug costs, which will be future uh, reductions by allowing the U.S. government to negotiate with drug companies in the Medicare program, the Chips and Science Act, um, which boosts domestic semiconductor research and. You know, these are things that, that are part of her record. Uh, you know, you've probably seen the television ads where they claim uh, ad nauseum that she's the most bipartisan senator. That comes from the Luger Center, which, uh, you know, is a measure of how many bills uh, you co-sponsor with Republicans. That's what that means. Uh, you know, whether or not those bills pass or how significant they are. That doesn't really factor in the equation. So, you know, she's willing to work with Republicans, certainly. But, you know, much of her messaging in terms of if we're talking about how she hopes to drive voters to support for her is really about stoking concern about the implications of electing Don Bolduc on abortion, on entitlement reform and trust in elections. Now, Chris Sununu, let's turn to the, the gubernatorial race here. Chris Sununu seeking his fourth term as governor. His challenger is Democratic State Senator Tom Sherman. What were you hearing, Josh, from them this week? How is that race shaping up? Well, you know, for, for Governor Sununu, uh, you know, it largely appears to be kind of steady as he goes. Uh, plenty of kind of boosterish talk about New Hampshire. Uh, you may have heard, Rick, we are the gold standard is something that he likes he to say. He says that quite often, yeah. Um, you know, and he, he says there's, you know, we have an economy that's attracting um, in migration and businesses. I mean, he may, you know, oversell some of the economy a bit, but he, he talks about this. He also admits that the state faces challenges, uh, workforce issues, housing costs, high electricity costs, and, you know, mental health and substance use uh, issues that, 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 that remain. But, you know, in the main, Sununu's argument is, I've been a good fiscal manager. Let's keep that going. You know, from Tom Sherman, his challenger, the message is, you know, Sununu's not who he claims to be. 
and he can't be trusted. You know, abortion is Sherman's exhibit A. The governor did sign New Hampshire's 24-week limit on abortion last year after saying he didn't see a need for new abortion laws. Uh, Tom Sherman, who you know served in the state Senate and legislature for, for eight years total, has also argued that the state could do better in meeting people's needs, you know, in many of the areas that Sununu touts, mental health policies, substance mm-hmm. use, housing. And, you know, he makes the case that also that Chris Sununu hasn't done enough to check more conservative members of Republicans in Concord on a host of issues ranging from COVID to substance use. And, you know, this week also Sherman's really been emphasizing his support for legalization of marijuana. He, he even went to Massachusetts to, to tour a cannabis growing facility, and he tweeted out a picture, including one where he's holding this like very large bud of marijuana. So yeah. Sherman's got that going too, Rick. Okay. Uh, well, Josh, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much. All right. And HBR is hosting three debates, by the way, next week in partnership with the New Hampshire Bulletin and NHPB, uh, NHBPPS, one with Maggie Hassan and Don Bolduc, the other with Governor Sununu and Tom Sherman. Um, and uh, that uh, will be up next week, so I'll be watching for that. We'll be having much more on that, of course, as time goes on. NHPR's Josh Rogers, thanks for joining us. Also, NHPR's Todd Bookman. Don't forget, you can find more of the reporting always at nhpr.org. I'm Rick Galley. This has been NHPR's News Recap. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.